Welcome to the Transom Podcast, a monthly roundup of the new features on the transom.org website, providing mathematical puzzles, games, learning activities, and the ever-popular mathematics lesson starter of the day. Here's your host, John Tranter. Hello, and welcome to podcast number 80 for the month of July 2021. Okay, let's begin with the puzzle of the month, which was suggested by Transom subscriber Anne. She said, Suppose you live in a world with only 5p and 7p coins. What is the largest amount that can't be made with a combination of these coins? Okay, while you think about that, I'll let you know what's new on the Transom website, the things that have been changed, upgraded, or added during the last 30 days. So first of all, we have time arithmetic. It's a whole topic that could possibly be overlooked in a busy curriculum. Um, And it's the sort of skill that many people think students should develop by some sort of osmosis. But really, they do need to practice working with times, adding times, subtracting times, even multiplying and dividing with times. Now, It could be presented as a pen and paper method, pen and paper, or paper and pencil method, whatever. (laughs) But what I want to draw your attention to is the DMS function on most calculators. Do your students know that that button is there and that it can be used to do time calculations? Well, DMS stands for degrees, minutes, and seconds, but it can equally be used for hours, minutes, and seconds. So I put a picture in the newsletter and in fact all the links to the activities I'm going to mention are in the newsletter. That's transom.org slash newsletter. Okay, time arithmetic, a new exercise for you to use as you see fit. The next one is called Fraction Lines. Um, well, it's not strictly new, but it's had a complete rewrite and is now presented in seven levels of difficulty and contains illustrations of fractions as well as the vulgar and decimal formats. Sometimes one of the suggestions I receive for a new activity turns out to be relatively easy to produce. The classic example this last month has been if then what. So pupils have to figure out how the answers to the questions can be quickly worked out by changing the place value of the given calculation. So, for example, given that 7 times 8 is 56, what is 0.7 times 800? Get the idea? That sort of thing. So that exercise is called If Then What? And uh, as I say, that went up very quickly when someone suggested it. Surface area is another set of exercises that has had a complete rewrite. And I also recorded a help video to go with it. And I excitedly included the orange peeling idea, which I've only seen recently, to show, well, more importantly, it helps pupils remember the formula for the surface area of a sphere. It doesn't actually prove it, of course, but the... um, the notion of these little bits of peel being fit, placed, tessellated into uh, four circles um, sticks in the mind and helps you remember that the surface area of a sphere is four 
pi r squared. Sometimes I have ideas that are wonderful in my head, but perhaps not as earth-shattering when finally launched. My idea for volume equals surface area was to encourage higher attaining pupils to step out of their comfort zone and learn some new technology skills to solve, well, what initially appeared to be trial and improvement problems. But at the time of writing, only two people have earned a trophy for this activity. But I'm still hoping that a budding future software engineer, a SWE as they're known in the trade, will be inspired by the, uh, the prompts in the help tab. So have a look at that. You might find it's interesting for your more able students, your higher performing students, I should say. Um, volume equals surface area, it's called. Don't forget, links are in the newsletter. You can find Transom Mathematics at www.transom.org. Okay, level three of travel graphs is now interactive. Pupils can click on points on the graph paper to draw the lines on the distance time or the, the velocity, speed, time graphs. Um, and I've also made a help video to go with this exercise. And it includes some of the flash animations made many, many years ago that no longer run in modern browsers. So you can see those in the video. And I would also like to credit the creators of the classic Archimedes bath time animation, which was made in Flash. But I can't work out who created it. There's no sort of uh, credit in the uh, the software itself so if you know if you've been around a bit and you used back in the day archimedes bath time i have used it in the video and i would like to credit who created in fact i, I might even be able to um create an updated version of it that does run in all modern browsers so I would need to get the permission of the initial creators. So if you know it, please let me know. On Mondays at around 5 p.m., I go jogging around a local park while listening to podcasts. And I heard Dr. Colin Foster tell Craig Barton of a task he thought promoted a deeper understanding of enlargements. It's uh, part of the um, transformations topic as you'll know, enlargements. Um, so a few laps of the park later, I came up with the idea of blow up. Now the phrase blow up has two meanings. It could mean to enlarge, as in please blow up this photograph to A3 size, but it could also mean to explode. Now both meanings are used in this new challenge to find all the possible places the centre of enlargement could be so that the image does not stretch off the page. I've just added the 443rd Maths Lesson Starter to the collection on Transom. Teachers choose by dragging questions into view what they'd like their pupils to work on in relation to today's date. So it changes automatically to show today's date and then there are various questions you can drag up onto the, uh, the viewable area of the screen um, to use as a starter. And I'm, I'm still coming up with new ideas for these questions so please let me know if you have any suggestions. 
For those technically inclined, I have started to use more vector graphics for diagrams instead of the bitmap format that were previously the only types of images you could have in web pages. The main advantage with the vector format is that you can zoom into the diagram without losing any quality because basically the information in the picture file um, talks about equations of lines and circles etc rather than a series of dots that make up these shapes. So it is scalable. The, um, the enlarged images are super crisp and you can see for yourself with a new set of exercises called Angles Mixed. And uh, you can either search for that on the Transom website, Angles Mixed, or the link is in the newsletter, transom.org slash newsletter. A new level four has been added to the train timetables uh, exercises. Pupils have to complete um, a blank timetable, a train timetable, from the clues given in no particular order, but you can drag them around and reorder them, um, to show the movement of the trains. Now, as I'm talking, have been talking about my uh, keep fit uh, routines, I'll move on to Wednesday mornings, when I take an early morning cycle ride around the International Airport, which I've mentioned before in these podcasts. But even at 6 a.m. Um, last Wednesday, it was a cloudless sky and the sun was strong, so I thought I should put on lots of sunscreen. I reached for the bottle and plastered my face with the stuff, and then I realised that I'd grabbed the wrong bottle. It was the 15 SPF bottle. Not much protection. So I then found the 30 SPF bottle and plastered my face with that as well. So does that mean I've now got 45 SPF protection on my face? Hmm. Or should I calculate the arithmetic mean of 30 and 15? Hmm. Or the geometric mean? I'm having trouble applying maths to everyday life. <laughs> My former students will be disappointed. Anyway, all friends who were asked about this agreed that the higher of the two ratings apply. So, I then wondered that rather than plastering the lotions on my face, if I poured the entire contents of both bottles into a new bigger bottle, what label SPF should I put on the new bottle? I'm still not sure. I read the following paragraph in the Times newspaper. I must have been having a sentimental day because it made me feel quite proud to be a part of the maths community, a maths enthusiast. Here it goes. A virus is a complex, self-replicating machine that evolved organically over billions of years. An exponential function is a simple concept created in a mathematician's head. It feels nothing short of magical, then, that the behaviour of the first can be described so perfectly by the second. But it can. Isn't that nice? Anyway. <laughs> International Joke Day falls on the halfway point of the year, which is today, the, t the day that the podcast is uh, being uploaded, July the 1st. 
and us maths teachers know there is nothing better at guffaw-producing or groan-inducing than a corny mathematical joke. If you were asked in your next next job interview to come up with a maths joke on the spur of the moment, could you? If your answer is no, I suggest you do a little homework right now at the Transfer Maths Jokes page. I'm sure you've seen it before, but uh, anyway, I thought I'd mention it. International Joke Day. Goodness me. You have probably heard the debate about summer learning loss. Research indicates that by the end of the long summer holidays, pupils perform on average one month behind where they left off in the spring. I hereby suggest that you could send an email to your pupils with suggestions of maths activities they can do during the downtime. And I've put together a list of easy-to-assign activities covering a wide range of topics on the holiday activities page. Link in the newsletter. Oh, by the way, there's also an end-of-term page too. So if you're wondering what you can do in that last week of the summer term for those in the Northern Hemisphere, um, have a look at that page. Okay, the answer to the puzzle of the month is 23 pence. That's the largest amount that you cannot make with the uh, the 5 and the 7p coins, any combination of them. And the solution to this type of problem for a given set of coin denominations is called the Frobenius number of the set. I think I've pronounced that correctly. The Frobenius number exists as long as the set of coin denominations has no common factor greater than 1. So the puzzle could be adapted for different coin denominations. Um, and for your information, the formula for the Frobenius number when there are only two different coin denominations, call them x and y, is xy minus x minus y. That's nice and neat and concise, isn't it? Who knew? Anyway, that's all for now. Look after yourself, and if you can, someone else too. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Transom podcast. You can find the website at www.transom.org, where you're welcome to use all of the activities absolutely free, or jump in with both feet and become a Transom subscriber.